challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast and the Great Man Podcast. I'm going to do something in this podcast that I rarely do, and that is I'm going to speak to both my crowds for both my podcasts in one podcast. And by the way, this is a good opportunity for me to say, for those of you who follow the Stephen Mansfield podcast, which is mainly about public affairs, world events, uh, the progress of faith in our generation, you need to know that I do a great man podcast, which is all about men and men rising and defeating the toxic masculinity of our generation. And for those of you who listen to the Great Man Podcast, you need to know, if you don't already, that I do a Stephen Mansfield podcast, which is as I've already described. So, welcome. Inter- let me introduce you to each other, both both of my audiences. I want you to know about each other, and I want you to know about my other podcast. Now, the reason I'm doing these two podcasts together as one this time is that I want to talk to you about something critically important. I want to talk to you about what tends to come after seasons of plague and upheaval and generational dislocation because it's pretty exciting. It's pretty thrilling. I want you to know about it. I want you to look about it, look at it in your own life. I want you to be ready to anticipate it and to welcome some of the benefits of the season that we are in. So let me begin. I'm talking to you today a little bit more as a historian. I want you to know that whenever you have these episodes of generational upheaval, World War II, World War I, etc., whenever you have seasons of plague in history, whenever you have huge moments of disaster, dislocation, suffering, hardship, when you have a rising current of deaths, in every case, it has an effect on the human soul, of course, but that effect tends to result in a flowering of the human spirit, the phrase I like to use, on the other side. And so when we look at these moments, when we look at these great episodes, what comes next is usually a time of great creativity, great advancement, great surge in the arts, great creativity, and even great market activity, even if there are depressions that come after World Wars, for example, as in England. England suffered horribly after World War II with a horrible depression, uh, economic depression, but then it began to rise again. So even where there is uh, economic difficulty that comes from, for example, World Wars, still there's a flowering of the human spirit. Now, before I tell you about some of these episodes in history, let me answer the question that some of you have been asking me as I've used this phrase, a flowering of the human spirit. Why does that come? Well, consider for a moment what's going on right now with coronavirus or COVID-19. People are facing death. Not all of us have had to look the Grim Reaper in the eye, but you may know of people who have died. Uh, You certainly are watching the death rates. We've had, as I record this, just over 30,000 deaths in the United States. Um, Some countries far less. Some states have had a very high rate. New York, I believe, is running around 15,000, almost half of the national total. Uh, I'm sitting in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Our rate is very, very low. But still, people are having to think about death. They're having to think about what's important in life. They're having to think about their families. Perhaps they've lost people. Uh, Also, normally these situations produce a diminished 
economic situation, which we can also say, we can use another phrase and say, it's a reduction of materialism. It causes people to live more simply. They're less about cars and their expensive toys and houses and vacations, and they're more about playing guitar on the back porch and singing with the family um, and uh, you know having a glass of whatever and uh, what have you. Uh, I've told you before that I've done some studies where we have interviewed, I've been part of a team where we interviewed people who went through the Great Depression or World War II or the Vietnam War. And what they tended to remember, in fact, as they looked back over their lives, some of their finest times uh, throughout their lives uh, were during those times of suffering. The person who lived through the Great Depression remembered uh, the father whipping out the violin and, and the family times with charades or a family theater or, or everybody pitching in and taking even small jobs to make sure there was plenty on the table, etc., etc., etc. So there tends to be a scraping away of the materialistic and the superfluous. There tends to be a looking at more serious themes of life. And, and that doesn't mean, by the way, that part of the creativity that happens isn't about humor and fun. It is. Uh, people have been locked away, sheltered, quarantined. Um, their economic circumstances are diminished. They're facing more deaths during a war, during a depression, during a plague. And so they're considering the, the, the big picture of what's going on in life. What's life really about? Uh, who do we really love? What really brings joy? Uh, a family member who does a dance to, while another family member plays the guitar was remembered by one person. The family writing songs together, uh, the family doing charades, gathering around the radio and listening to a radio drama back during the Depression, etc. Uh, these are the things people remember. One Vietnam veteran said that when a guy, one of the guys in his platoon would whip out his harmonica, they'd all sing together, you know, Silent Night on Christmas Eve or or a jig at another time or or, or whatever, the, the harmonica piece to a cool song written during the 60s, flowering of music, etc. And that's the stuff they kept with them for the rest of their lives. So what happens then is that the superfluous is called away. People suffer a little bit. They deepen in their souls. They turn to God. They turn to each other. And the simpler things are highlighted. Uh, during the Great Depression, Mom would make some biscuits. One guy remembered those biscuits forever because it only happened maybe once every quarter of a year. But when she did it, the family just sat in awe. And if they happened to have a little bit of honey, how wonderful that was. And they sang about it later and they remembered it forever. You see what I mean? The simpler things, the relational things. Um, life is approached with more gratitude. Uh, life is approached with more depth. Uh, we're more social, etc. Well, this is particularly true during times of plague. Uh, for example, uh, when I tell you the kind of flowering of creativity that's happened during plagues, I think you'll just be stunned. Shakespeare wrote some of his most famous works during a time of plague. When he, by the way, was sheltered away, uh, basically quarantined, they wouldn't have used the word, but but asked, required by law to be in his house as much as possible, he wrote some of his greatest plays. Isaac Newton did some of the experiments and had some of the experiences that led to his conclusions about gravity while he was on his family's estate hiding away from plague contagion and, and being required to leave school and leave his other jobs and roles and to be on his family's estate. John Keats did the same thing. If you've read Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, not only did Chaucer write during a time of plague, but much many of the themes in Canterbury Tales are plague-related. In other words, the experience of plague 
uh, gave great, great creativity to him, and he thus produced one of the greatest works in English literature. I could go on and on for those of you who are Christian and in ministry. Um, Luther and Spurgeon, Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon, both ministered during times of plague. The duties they had, the challenges they had, the things they faced shaped their theology and pastoral approach for the rest of their lives. In other words, it was a time of uh, real transformation. It was a time of real reconsideration of their approach to ministry. So I could go further. I could tell you that music really flowers. If you have, for example, uh, just watched, as Bev and I have, the the Ken Burns series on country music, 10-part, I believe, uh, country music series, really amazing. But it's music that comes out of poverty of the Appalachian experience, the Great Depression. Uh, it comes out, it really flowers after World War II. In fact, World War II helped to uh, deepen and spread the beauty and power and meaning of country music for people. I could go on and on and on. So what I want you to see is that times like this of difficulty, times like this of challenge, times like this of facing death, of having to confront hardship, of having perhaps slightly, it'll only be slightly, I think, for our country, uh, slightly lessening economic times, being forced into simplicity, um, being forced to be more relational, being more grateful for what we do in fact have because we don't have everything we might like to have. All of this is good for the human soul. It, to put it in almost religious terms, it's a, it's a form of fasting in a sense. And fasting always calls away the things we tend to use, enjoy, and medicate ourselves with so that we can be more open from the inside out. Our hearts are clearer. Our spirits are purer and more open, etc. Well, you know, to, to see this happening during the coronavirus age, you only have to go online and look at the amazingly creative things people are doing with Zoom uh, in their neighborhoods. I love watching those videos of Italian neighborhoods where a trumpet player is on the balcony and then a guy moves his keyboard out on another balcony and joins him and, and then somebody sings, you know. Um, I've really been amazed because I'm not very musical at all. I mean, I, I love music, but I can't play it very well or, or can't read music and see these entire choirs, you know, that are appearing by Zoom. And then somebody I assume is engineering it, making it amazing. It, amazing. Um, I love seeing this. I love seeing the flowering of the human spirit. Bev even showed me a video, I think a week or two ago, uh, where a husband and wife somehow made themselves look like a horse going down the road. She had her ponytail back and they had gotten some strange uh, the contortion. And, and from behind, they looked like a horse prancing down the road. Silly, stupid. But here's a husband and wife figuring out how they can shoot an iPhone video um, of them looking like a horse with a ponytail, you know, prancing down the road. I love that kind of creativity. A friend just this morning told me that his family is having fun with videos where his eight-year-old uh, is teaching people how to bake bread. The mom is a real great cook and baker. And so the girl, the little eight-year-old, is actually doing the videos, teaching people. Um, I think it may be live online in that video. But anyway, teaching people how to bake bread. Well, this is, this is part of what I'm talking about. So I want you to consider, and this is why I'm doing these two podcasts together. Men, I want you to consider this for your own life, family, etc. Uh, the rest of you who listen to me normally uh, for more public policy-oriented, uh, spiritual trends, etc. kinds of things, I'm talking about both right now. I'm talking about achievement. I'm talking about the impact on our culture. I'm talking about the impact on you. Consider what this might be doing for you. 
Uh, it's important to consider where you were challenged. Where was the pinch? You know, I hated having to be with people or I gained 20 pounds. Clearly there's an issue there or I drank too much. You want to ponder those things. But I'm talking about the more positive things. Seasons like this historically, not just in cultures, but on individuals, have a profound impact. They face their mortalities. And for those of you who uh, only listen to the Stephen Mansfield podcast, I just did a podcast for men on Great Man Podcast about death, about facing death, about Churchill's great quote that when the tones of life ring false, we should refer to the tuning fork of death. Uh, you, can put, you can draw it from scripture in Ecclesiastes where the scriptures say, death is the destiny of all men and the living should take this to heart. In other words, death is a fine tuning of life as we live it. Uh, all of these things, the simplicity of life, the reduced economic circumstances, the turning to the relational, uh, the flowering of creativity, the contemplating of death, the simpler, more significant things of life coming to the fore. What does this mean for you? What does this mean in your life? How can your spirit flower on the other side? We're all thinking about what the news is telling us to think about, you know, when will the restrictions lift? When we can go, can we go to our favorite restaurant? What will happen economically to our industry? These are important. No rebuke for thinking about those things, but there's a broader thing happening. And I think it's going to be the more lasting thing. And that is that as we come out of this, we will be different. We'll be more creative. We'll invent new industries. We'll open up new markets. We'll write new music. We'll write new literature. I predict there's going to be a flowering of literature on the other side of this thing, less hedonistic, less silly, less light and frilly, more substantial, more about the core things of life. Some of the greatest literature in human history has been written after great times of suffering, and it's because of what the condition of the human heart was on the other side of that tumultuous time. It's going to happen again. So all of you listening to this podcast, and thank you for letting me merge these two podcasts that I do. I won't do it often, but I will do it when it's significant. Ponder where you are. Turn on your emotional, spiritual GPS and ponder where you are. Ponder what's happened to you in these weeks of isolation. Ponder what it has meant to you. Ponder where the pinch has been, yes, but ponder more um, what this makes possible in your soul. Because I know some people who hadn't touched their guitar in years but then suddenly they pulled it out, found that after a couple of days playing, they could get back in some degree of shape and began to sing songs with their family. I tell you what, his kids will remember that for the rest of their lives. If he dies tomorrow, God forbid, his children will remember that as some of the finest time. And it will also influence how they live their lives and how they parent. This is what it means. Did you develop little fun internal sports in your home? Did you do new food things? Did you love each other more deeply and serve each other a different way? Did you have family creative times? What did you do and what's happening in your soul? I know a guy who just found poetry forming in his mind, began to write it down. Clearly something was uncovered in his life that has been covered up by the busyness and the technology and the online life and probably a lot of good things, but still there was something in his soul that was uncovered by the scraping off of this coronavirus process. Okay, I think you know where I'm going. I want you to have the renaissance that we've seen happen in history after these tumultuous times. 
That means you ponder what's, what's happened to you. And I'm saying this now before the opening, the lifting begins to happen, before your health club and your restaurant open up, before your industry uh, in striving to rebuild keeps you busy almost around the clock, et cetera, et cetera. Ponder now while we're still in a bit of isolation, but uh, things are going to start lifting. In fact, Tennessee public schools go back a week from today, uh, resume meeting at this point, unless the governor extends. So all of that to say, consider what's happened and allow the flowering, allow uh, the inner to surge forward in a way that perhaps will transform your life. This has been the greatness of human literature and creativity and innovation for centuries, but normally it's come on the other side of times just like those we're living through now. To join the Great Man community, or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.